just wanna start her fame and your heart. All right. Welcome, everyone. Uh, welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. Wow. I've been having technical difficulties today like nobody's business, probably because of the stuff that I'm working on. Totally expected, right? <laughs> So there's um tons to talk about, um, tons of things. I wanted to say I was um I'm in a lot of chats from Telegram to Chan boards to Kuhn boards to you name it, I'm there. And um so yesterday uh I was um kind of just looking back at messages. I've just been very, very busy on some things that I've been working on. And I noticed that there was this Carolina landslide kick. I wanted to start something lighthearted, of course. So I don't know if any of you have ever tried to actually make these awesome cakes before. You know, the ones that you see on TV that they make look so simple, right? Oh, look, all you do is cut the cake and then you do the buttercream and you follow the recipe. So perfect, right? Just like we do in a lot of things in life. We follow it to the T. Yet, for whatever reason, it doesn't work out. So I saw this cake that looked amazing. It had like chocolate shells. That's all I could think. Of. Like when I saw it, I was like, oh man, do I have any chocolate in the house? So um, <clears throat> I think the person's name was Paul. I don't remember. And um, I saw this cake uh, dubbed the Carolina landslide cake. Now may God bless this man with uh, many more years of health and happiness. But that cake was awesome. You know, uh, the landslide was probably because, you know, the glaze had the chocolate on it and it was falling. But you know what it reminded me of? Beautiful mistakes we make. Um, and that's why it looks so awesome. And I thought that it was a great way for us to kick off today because, uh, you know, we see things uh from a perspective of whatever level of perfection should be. Yes, probably the cake was too warm. Yes, maybe the buttercream had too much butter. Man, I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt a million times. For anyone that looks at my Instagram, it's usually food porn that I put on there because I consider myself a chef. <laughs> I consider myself. Okay, obviously my, my food does not taste bad at all, but I like to think that I'm a chef. But the point is, is that it looked amazing, right? Even uh, even if the person sa said they would have one nailed it, which which I when I saw that I kind of laughed. I was like, yes, that's so cool, <laughs> because I've done that before where I'm like nailed it. But that's the thing. See, every failure we have, everything we don't meet a standard that someone else set. Everything that doesn't look right, all right, it looked lopsided and the shells were sliding. No big deal. It still tastes good, right? But Every single mistake you've made is an opportunity uh, to become better. And our nation was like that cake. It looked great. It probably tasted amazing. Everything was supposedly done right by the ingredients, which is us, the people, right? And, um, you know, we just have to be able to see where it's not sitting right. I mean, at the bottom line, it's all about uniting the core, right? Getting everything to come together. That, that, that glue that makes every single ingredient inseparable. And that is 
perfection. And what we are doing now in 2020, well, in 2016, we, we already won. You just don't see it because it has to play out a certain way. It, what people need to understand is, and I've been saying this for years, is this is a race for time, them buying time. It was all about them buying time. If I can peek forward only to come back, you better know that they can too. It's just the thing about mirrors is that it's always your perspective. It's really hard. I mean, I remember when I, when I was first diagnosed and I got sick and I started packing on weight. Well, that's how I found out I was sick, right? Because I was packing on weight. And I'm like, dude, like, what is going on here? Um, I'm like hardly eating and I'm becoming fat. Like, hello, I was a size six and now I have to add another digit onto that. What's going on? My endocrinologist was like, oh, it might be this. And then they found out, you know, my liver's just, you know, not, I'm not metabolizing because of the tumor. But that's that's how I, you know, found out I was I was ill because something changed, right? But the thing is, when I was changing, I couldn't see it in the mirror. I could not see it in the mirror. And you're gonna be like, how did you not see, you know, 50 pounds in the mirror? No, I didn't. None of us can. Right. None of us can because uh, my thyroid's fine. It was my liver. But, um, you know, I, when you look at the mirror, you see what you want to see. And so um, being a child that was in, you know, exposed to technology, um, that's different. I, I believe that, OK, maybe for myself, maybe this is why. For myself, it's a more um, subjective view, right? Kind of like when I gained weight, I was like, I don't see it. But I know that, you know, I would go to J. Crew to get pants and it'd be like, um, I don't think I fit in J. Crew anymore, right? <laughs> so this is the way peeking forward works. I mean, it's all about your eyes and how you see it, okay? It's all about your eyes and how you see it. So they see it from their perspective when they peak. And their perspective is tainted with what their goal is. And there are many people that have this. I'm pretty sure many uh, different um, governments. And I mean, it's not like people don't steal from each other intellectual property, right? It's, and, and even if you had like a military operation looking at it, everyone has a goal. So it's always going to be um, fixed on your goal. When you look at the reflection, you know, when you look through the glass and you want to look at the reflection of what is to come uh, and then see how you can reverse engineer it, you, um, you see it through the eyes of your mission. The difference is, is that those that can see with no agenda. And that's kind of difficult. And the only time you have no agenda is when you're on your knees. And, and when I say on your knees, meaning that you just uh, look at the Lord and say, all right, um, I, I'm, 
I have ears that are listening, not hearing, because everybody has ears and there's millions of ears, billions of ears on this planet that hear things, but how many of them actually listen? Billions of eyes on this planet that can, you know, look at things, but how many can actually see? And so it's, it's important for people to understand that time in itself also is almost as if there's two versions, the subjective version and the objective version. And the objective version cannot be tainted. So there's uh, some um, differences there. So I thought today, before we start with our news, you know, we understand that what is going on in 2020, and this is why we're living a historian's wet dream, We've got, you know, when, when murder hornets came out, everyone's like, Oh, that's all we're missing. Everyone's like, where's the aliens? I am so over this, right? It was so hilarious. And the truth is, is everyone is being forced to take a look at themselves, right? And I've said this, you need to take a hard, good look at yourself and see yourself in the mirror, not literally your, 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 your inner feelings and desire. And before I take you down a trip on that one, we're going to go into a little bit of mythology. I wanted to share a video that I saw that provoked outrage for me, two of them actually. And it wasn't so much what was happening because that can be remedied really quickly. Our president has made it clear that such behavior and civil violations will not fly in our nation. What upset me was all the people around doing absolutely nothing. Watch this. Okay, by the way, this is in Logan, Ohio. Okay, Logan, Ohio. Listen, for those of you that are listening to the podcast, this is a uh, child's football game. Apparently, uh, you know, a woman drove, you know, to go to a football game. Everyone's completely social distancing. Every bench has X's because you have to skip it. So this mom is being arrested and tased, okay? for not wearing a mask, okay? And around her are all the other parents watching the game and not one of them did anything. I mean, the, the, the woman's mom, the grandma, stood up and was like, what are you doing to the cop? And uh, the children were all around her, but apparently because she's not wearing a mask, out in the open, sitting on the bleachers, totally social distance and just hanging out with her family, the police officer tased her and arrested her. So this outraged me more so not because the police officer decided he's going to enforce something that's not even legal, right? But because everybody around there just watched and did absolutely nothing. I am. Oh my god! 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 Oh my
Okay. Is he an actual police officer? I don't know. I don't think he can arrest her for not wearing a mask. This is not a warning. Call the cops, Raven. Yeah. Will you talk to them? I don't know if he's a real officer. Is there police on the side and on his back? But he may be, Bridget, because there's a cop car over there. There's a cop car over there. Do you want to find him? Chase somebody over a mask. Chase this lady over not wearing a damn mask. How hard was it to watch that? Like every single person there should have arrested that guy that was supposedly a police officer. This is unacceptable. When will the core unite? When will the ingredients stick? Like, what do you have to do? Do you need to start seeing off with their heads like they did in other places to unite their core under that? Is that what you need? This is what our nation is sitting there waiting for. What? When they start executing people, you're going to wake up. I know I've said this for years, years and years. You're going to have to see it to believe it. You're going to have to live it to believe it. Because seeing it, we don't even trust our own eyes anymore. So again, where are these people from Logan, Ohio that were sitting there? I'm telling you, I would have been tased too. I would have been all over that cop and saying, no, I am arresting you, sir. Get out of here. You have no right. That is it. This is disgusting. It is disgusting because we have more power. The police officers, they're employed by us. And if they step outside their bounds, that's where we step in. We support you. Where's your oath, dude? Where is your oath? Now, that was a mask. Wait, there was another one in Idaho, you guys, in Idaho. So there was a bunch of people um, singing praises to the Lord, and uh, another couple was arrested. So I only have the arrest of one guy on video. Um, I think someone had put a YouTube video together that I want to show you. You know, uh, it is, let me, let me find that. It is incredible. Here they are, uh, you know, singing praises to the Lord. And it wasn't, and they were outside. But apparently, they, this man was not social distancing. So he was arrested. Another couple was arrested because they weren't sitting on the circles and social distancing. This is Idaho. Yes, we in trouble, call me. 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 Yes, we in trouble
doing great. Yeah, I'm doing great. Yeah, I'm doing great. Did you see this happen this, for PLM, Gabe? Uh, it's unbelievable. Isn't that weird? It just gives a little space for you, please. Yeah, just give us a little space. Got it. You guys should not be doing this and doing this kind of crap for the mayor. This is embarrassing. You guys are stronger than this. You shouldn't be doing this. You guys are tough people. This is wrong. You're a cop. Okay, so that's Moscow, Idaho. He organized the hymns singing out in public, and that's not social distancing. So he was arrested. Because he had people out there singing praises to the Lord. Where were they with the riots? Where were, oh, let me guess. They were singing praises to uh, supposed racism and stealing Chanel and Louis Vuitton bread. That's okay. That's Moscow, Idaho, right? And the mayor shouldn't be voted out. The mayor should be carried out by the people there. And, and this enrages me. I get so upset because it's like, you know, what's the point? I've put my whole life on the line and not just me, millions of everybody. So it's what do you bring to the table? Those people watching the football game, what did they bring to the table? But sitting there and, uh, oh, ooh, ah, maybe we should call the police. Ooh, ah, no, get in there and take that cop off of him and say, we are uh, conducting a citizen's arrest. Do not resist. If all of them got up and did that, then they'd be like, now you can call your cop friends and explain why you were arresting this woman for not wearing a mask. Because all of us pay your salaries. Start talking. What are they going to do? Arrest, what, 100 people there for not wearing a mask? This is the problem. Self-preservation, right? Self-preservation, I'm going to keep my head down. You know, this is what's happening. And that's the problem. So there was a no mask, you know, uh, no mask in the bleachers while they were social distancing, out in the open, in public, right? And then we had, you know, these organizers of singing praises to the Lord, but they had no mask on outside while they were social. They weren't social distancing enough. And this is Ohio, supposedly a red state, and Idaho that's supposed to be a state that loves the Constitution. What's going on? Yes, the fires are spreading that way, too. This is the problem that all of you that are listening to me now, watching now, are like, oh, my gosh, this would never fly. Well, you know, this is where we need to wake people up in Moscow and Logan, Ohio, and say, what are you doing? Every single time, every single time I see this happening, you know, when I get a response from left, and you're back to blue. I totally do. That doesn't mean that there aren't idiots. That cop cares more about his paycheck and meeting quota, meeting quota than upholding an oath. And you're going to say, well, he serves the mayor. So if the mayor is a POS, then he's going to do what the mayor. No, man, because you're also a constituent, not only a public servant, you're supposed to serve me, not the mayor. You're not a Praetorian. You are a civil servant. So this is where all of us should be very upset. upset. Like I've said before, all the states in the nation, well, that's a red state. That's a blue state. Stop. The reddest state out there where kids walk around with guns at the age of 12, 13, slinging them around. They take time off school to go hunting like North Dakota, right? Oh, we're totally conservative. Constitution first. They are the worst Gestapos ever. 
the smallest population in a massive state. The state is like massive, North Dakota, the state in, in, in size. And they only have 700,000 people. So all 700,000 are just self-preservationists or are they ruled by the elites that make them shut up and kneel? Nah. So they're ruled. That's a total red state. Look, they've got two senators, one congressman. Only one senator, Senator Kramer, is actually a public servant, like bonafide. Kelly Armstrong just got in as congressman. Really cool guy. I like him. I like him. He does come from the circle of elites, but he's he's all right. I like him. I, I stomp for Kelly rather than whoever else was going to come out. I like him. Met him. Everything. I like him. Right. I like him. Like they're social distancing now. I wouldn't elbow. I would hug him. I like him. But I'm just saying this is supposed to be a red state. A red state. This is why I bring the example. This is supposed to be a red state and it's the worst state. They're sharing uh, HIPAA and personal identifying information with foreign authorities like China and the WHO. They have track and trace and they will hold that, you know, to the standard. POWs are now considered the same as LGBTQ in that in that state. Went to say nation. Yeah, right. Uh, Gestapo beyond belief, beyond belief. It's the most horrific example of what a faux red state is. Because a lot of people are like, no way, that's Idaho. And it's like totally Idaho. So where are the people in Moscow, Idaho saying, what are you doing, Mayor? Get out. I would go there myself with all of you. And we'd be like, uh, we say you leave. No, there's procedures. Uh, take your procedures. Put them up your tush. We, the people, run this city. We don't want you here anymore. You're fired. That's all you do. What are they going to do? Arrest thousands of people saying you're fired? They can't. One lawyer, thousands of people, you're out. We're challenging this. We don't like this. We are the people. We are the majority. We are many. You or few, you're out. We can do this. The thing is, do we unite? Because these are examples of where unity should have been first, and we didn't see it. Okay? And this is small town stuff, and we didn't see it. Modbow, yeah. Thank you. Um, I said Moscow. Russia. Russia on the mind. Okay. So I wanted to bring that up as an example of how we're not doing our job as citizens, ensuring that our rights across the board, no matter, you might not like that lady. I could tell you, you could be a competitive parent and not like that lady, right? Kind of like I've been saying, you may not like someone, but that doesn't mean you allow their rights to be railroaded. Uh, there was, um, there was something, uh, that I struggle with. And, um, I saw this tweet from the Orthodox church and, um, so weird. It says, try not to find, do not rejoice in the sins of your enemies. Oh, that's so hard. How many of you feel that? So hard. How do you not rejoice in the sins of your, you know, when they get in trouble for the sins they've done? It's, it's, it's very, very hard. Guys, there is a war that has been raging for a while. And 
it is a race against time. They're trying to buy time to rectify this, but they can't stop what's coming. And the way we fix this is by ensuring we know what we're bringing to the table. What are you bringing to the table is the question that you should be asking yourself. What are you bringing to the table? You know, it could be something simple, but we all have to be bringing something to the table. So I'm going to start um, this off before I, I wanted to start this off with um, that, but I wanted to give you some insight. So there's many, many times that I read Sanskrit, you know, uh, writings, uh, the Bible, Quran, Torah, well, the Talmud is more spoken word, right? But whatever gets written down, I read all of these because I try to understand. I try to understand a lot of things. And and one common thing, remember when uh, I did that show where I told you how the hero is always going through the same thing, right? You know, I thought to myself, okay, so being Christian, Jesus was God's son. He went through a lot of trials. I am sure there were times that he was hungry. So have you been? Times that he was lonely and, and devastated, betrayed, right? Suffering from cold, maybe um, hurt his knee, right? Whatever. Didn't have money to buy something. He went through all of that. Not only that, he suffered through pain. And all he did was speak words. He had an idea that he gave to people, which is you're supposed to unite. You're supposed to love each other. And you're all supposed to be caring for one another to work properly. This is what is good. This is what is God. The unification of people to actually care what happens to your neighbor, to actually care what happens, you know, to the person down the street. And I know a lot of us are like, well, I really can't care because I don't have money to give the homeless guy. Or I really can't care about the kid in Ethiopia or the children of Biafra because, I, you know, I can't make my bills, you know, uh, you know, happen. I get it. Well, when is it that we can all make it happen? There's so much abundance in this world and, Humans have the idea that there's a restriction on it, that only a few people can have it, and that it is the ultimate brass ring, the prize that you get. Why does everyone think that? If, if God allowed his son to go through things, don't you think that you going through things is normal too? I'm just saying. It was something different. What he brought to the table was not obedience, was not giving babies away or slaughtering virgins, right? It was one of love. And that was 2,020 years ago when the idea was born. So in essence, it was 19, gosh darn it, I'm like, I, why are we still talking about it? So for 2,000 years, why haven't we been able to embody that as a people? Hmm? That's, a, that's a question. So I thought, you know, the, the Greek mythology is like that, if you study it correctly. And I, I found this like five-minute clip. 
where people are starting to question, you know, some of the gods. And um, one of the most iconic gods, well, Titans, and I've talked about Tartarus before, is um, Kronos, the god of time, or was he? And this is a depiction that you see on the screen where he's a man with wings like an angel eating a baby, right? Eating a baby. So I thought we could um, just do this for now so we can let it percolate, okay? Just so we can let it percolate. I think it's important to listen to this perspective where they say Cronus and Cronus were different or were they the same? Kind of yeah, kind of no. It was a very interesting twist to it. Take a listen. The subject of today's video will be Cronus and Cronus. For those who are just listening, there are two different spellings of the name up on screen that refer to the two different deities. Now, whenever I discuss Cronus, I generally refer to him as the Titan of Time and the Harvest. And the response I get quite often is, am I confusing the Titan Cronus with the primordial deity of the same name? And my answer is always the same. No, I'm not. But I can see why there is some confusion. So it's about time I made a video where I explain and clarify the differences and similarities between the two, or at least try to. So I guess we can start with what we already know, that one was a titan and the other a primordial. The real difference between the two comes in the religion itself. We know that over the years there were many different types of Greek religion, in different regions, and the primordial Cronus comes from Orphism, the religion of the Orphic Greeks. Their iteration of Greek mythology is quite similar, but they do have some differences in the details, as well as an entirely different idea as to how the world came to exist. To the Orphic people, Cronus was the primordial god of time. He was also a serpent with three heads, the head of a man, a bull, and a lion. But that's just weird and not too relevant to what we're discussing today. He was also the son of Phanes, the first deity to hatch from the cosmic egg, the first ruler of the universe, who would then pass the mantle down to his daughter Nyx, and in turn her son Uranus. Definitely quite a different creation story than we're used to. To make things even more confusing, Cronus was sometimes equated to the Titan Ophion, the first Titan king, who the actual Titan Cronus wrestled off the throne, rather than taking the throne from his father Uranus. At times he was even referred to as Cronus Aeon, or just Aeon. So you can see how confusing this is all starting to get, and over the years the Greek and Roman poets seem to agree. The likes of Pindarus, Nonus, and Cicero saw Cronus the father of time and Cronus the father of Zeus as the same deity. The primordial iteration was essentially dissolved into the Titan, and he became the god of time and the harvest. What was once the primordial god of time was now referred to as Aeon, the personification of eternity. So when I and others refer to Cronus as the Titan of time, no. 
I'm not confusing him with the primordial Cronus, because they essentially just became one deity when the Orphic tellings of Greek mythology were phased out and slowly replaced. Let's not forget that the oldest accounts of Greek myth that we have come from the Mycenaeans, and they believe Poseidon was the signature deity, the head of their pantheon. But no one really refers to him as the ruler of Olympus today, because their ideas were taken and dissolved into newer iterations of the religion. If you are someone who distinguishes between the two, then surely you also prescribe to the Orphic idea that Eros was the primordial god of love, and not the son of Aphrodite. Do you then just dismiss the whole story of Eros and Psyche, or do you believe that there are two Eroses, which again only serve to make things more confusing? Essentially what I'm trying to say is Greek mythology had many different phases of belief that over time were replaced by new ones, and if you start to cherry pick from different periods in time and try to put them together, you end up with one big incoherent mess. And Greek mythology to begin with, in its most refined state, is already an incoherent mess. So sometimes it is just easier to accept that over time beliefs did change, and as a result certain gods and goddesses disappeared, or they were merged into something else. So in conclusion, is Cronus the titan god of time? Yes. But there are also of course other deities associated with time, just as you have hundreds of deities associated with the sea or death, not just Poseidon or Hades. Neither idea is incorrect, it just comes down to what you believe. Hopefully my tiny chimp brain has been able to piece together some kind of coherent line of thought that you guys now understand, but maybe I've just confused you even more. I don't really know anymore. Let me know what you think in the comments below. As always, I've been your host, Mythology and Fiction Explained. So I'm going to tell you something about mythology. So I'm a big buff. And whenever I'd be on vacation in Greece, I would always make sure um, uh, to go into archives. There are lots of archives. Um, so one of the best archives is actually going out to the places. My eldest daughter, her name is Hera. And the temple of Hera is actually... Um, uh, about an hour's drive uh, from my, uh, you know, um, grandparents' home. And I, when Hera was about, I, I want to say she was five or six, it was right after I had Phoebe. Um, uh, we drove out to the temple. There's like a, there's a, a lighthouse there for ships that are coming into the bay, the Corinthian Bay. And so one thing that we like to do is dive off the cliff into the water. It's actually quite deep. And, uh, when we had gotten there, I told her, Hey, you know, this is the temple of Hera. It's people can, uh, you know, go there. It's in shambles really. Uh, but, um, I, uh, I, I was having a picnic with her there and ships were coming by and you know what they do? They throw gifts to the temple. So it would be cigarettes, cheese wheels, uh, you know, and things like that. And, um, I asked, 
the guy that tends to the lighthouse, like, why are they throwing like cartons of, of Russian cigarettes? And there was cheese wheels and, um, uh, you know, just some weird stuff were being thrown ashore from how close they were coming in. It was so weird, right? And he said, well, they would throw gifts to get, uh, you know, good sea passage. And I was like, but the canal didn't exist. It's a man-made canal. Actually, I had that conversation last night with someone. It's an amazing, it's called the Isthmus. It's actually, it was made in 1888, man-made canal, right? And um, my friend was telling me, yo, when I went with the train, it was scary. I was like, dude, I bungee jumped from there. My friend actually owns the business that bungee jumps into the canal. Because it's really, really high. It is quite scary. Anyway, um, so I sat there at the temple and, uh, you know, there was a, obviously there's always researchers there and it's summer and they were getting really upset because, you know, the locals and, you know, people, Greek people that would visit would sit there, have cigarettes, coffee, eat on the temple, right? Uh, chip off pieces, throw them in the water to, you know, skip rocks kind of thing. And they were really upset and they were like, this is history. Like, mm. so I started parlay and have a conversation on um, one of the columns with them. And, you know, they said, you know, Hera, uh, you know, those gods, apparently, according to things that I've learned, um, knew that the Titans that were 13 of them, the 13th is Uranus, which means sky, um, uh, they um, they were put into Tartarus by their own children because they realized that what they were doing was wrong. So um, it was uh, it was it was pretty eye opening in that sense. And I was like, they were all like getting married to each other. So I, I um, before we flew back out. Um, I, I went down to Athens, uh, down to the, it's like, you want to call it like the museum curator or something. But anyway, you go there, you have to wear gloves and a mask, you know. And I was looking at some documentation from like oral history. That's what they call it. It's like an, it's very eclectic. You have to actually ask for it because it doesn't really exist, if that makes sense. And um, what I saw was a, a rebellion and all of it started to circle around time that there was a constraint of time that was an illusion and the story that struck me the most and I told you guys how me and my friend Elise um you know we um we got really baked and drunk in the Parthenon did you know that um there was a story that was mind-blowing to me at an adult age, right, that I had never thought of, that they say that the, the goddess Athena had a mirror. And in that, in, through that mirror, she saw that if she was able to that, – that inside, inside Medusa that she cursed, she cursed Medusa so nobody could see her, that she was – gone and in the shadows because inside Medusa was hidden Pegasus. That's so weird, right? So Athena had a mirror and could see that if anyone was to, if Medusa 
you know, was to um, fall in love or, you know, become more mortal uh, because she was beautiful, that uh, people would be able to ride Pegasus or something like that. And so she cursed her so that nobody can look at her. And Pegasus actually came out of Medusa, inside Medusa, when she was killed. And then Pegasus was a way of transporting gods. People couldn't tame Pegasus, but Athena, the goddess of wisdom, was able to tame her, tame the horse, the winged horse that would transport people places. So I just thought that was kind of interesting, you know, just kind of let this percolate for a bit. So we've got Kronos, the 13 Titans, and they only look like giants because you're on your knees. Um, And if we take it into, and the reason that I'm bringing this up to you is there's a lot of documented, um, how do we say? So we have mythologies, stories, movies, music, you know, religious scriptures, all of them are done at different times, right? And I've told you that in the Greek drama, like uh, Antigone, for example, you'll see the chorus always sings about the of machine God. That's when chaos would happen. A machine would happen. I, I kid you not, read it. And so all of these are done at different times and explanations are given based on what they experience at those times. Like, you know, if you were... You know, if I was able to time travel, for example, and go into the past, I would probably mess with people, you know, with a phone camera and say, look, I've captured your soul. And then it would be written down as, dude, this witch came here and she took in her little box. She had my soul and I could see it. You see what I mean? And you'd be like, what do you mean captured your soul and put it in a box? It was just a picture. But to them, because they can't explain it, right? They would say their soul is trapped in a box. So everything is interpreted and written down with what we understand at that time. So if oral history from the days of yore, and we don't even know, uh, well, when history like this happened and if it happened, right? Um, And what time it happened, if it's passed down orally, then that can, you know, obviously we have grapevine and we have grandiose changes in the way it's being told, right? It's all about who's writing the story. Uh, but it's also interpreted at the time. Now, a lot of people will be like, well, myths are myths and they're wrong. Well, I could tell you what. Um, in my family's town, uh, there's this guy, his name is Constantine. Well, his name was Paul, his dad, right? And I would always wonder, like he had, like he would bake the best bread. I I I remember that flying from New York to go see my grandparents. My most favorite memory was going to Paul's Bakery and getting a sugar donut, right, and a fresh baked bread. Now this guy worked like a horse. Okay, this guy Paul. He had a son named Constantine, and he would work, work, work. And I would be like. Damn, best bread. My grandfather one day, really, really salty, right? Um, to me, we were talking about the church at the mountain with the whole family. And um, he sat there and I was like, this bread is like the best bread. He's like, you don't know bread. You're in America. You have all genetically modified things. They're all rubbish there, he would say. And I'd be like, okay, um, well, 
I guess maybe it's because, you know, maybe they use machines and it tastes different than, you know, maybe we get a little bit of Paul sweat or something and it tastes different, right? But I remember him saying, I don't understand why he works so hard. He found those leers. Um, so they're gold coins. So in the area where my family derives from was where the temple of Pan was. Pan was the god, you know, that was half goat with the, with the whole penis thing sticking out, right? And apparently he would go through the mountains and he stumbled upon a chest of coins that were from that time. Dude, this guy like owns half the city now or town, village, whatever you want to call it, but he still worked like a horse. And that's why, um, my grandfather was salty. He was like, he found all of that. He could have just spread it, the wealth, you know, amongst everyone or something. But the, the thing is, is that there were actually coins from that were dated from a very, 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 but like carbon dating wouldn't like it was BC times. So just wanted to say if there were coins from the times of, you know, 8,000 BC that were made of solid gold, uh, that were supposedly tributes to that temple. And then they found the temple, obviously, after he made that discovery, right? Um, it could be that, um, you know, some of this isn't really just stories, but maybe they've been told as stories, you know, to make it easier on people's ears. I mean, they would breed animals with humans. That's called genetic modification. We're doing that now. So I thought I would... um would uh, give you that in respects to time and understanding what you're reading because you're seeing it right in front of your eyes where our modern history is being rewritten and retold right in front of you. So what makes you think that history of the 13 bloodlines didn't start way before anything? And maybe there is something there and that all the stories, if you stand on the moon and look down, it kind of looks like it's repeating itself with a different hero, villain, uh, but the, it's the same thing in the end, right? And this is what insanity is, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different outcome. But this is the golden age. We've entered into it. And this is the time that it actually changes. Because I believe that from over 2,000 years ago, when we got that message of unification, and that's that's why I'm here. That's why you're here, right? It's all about you and uniting you. Um, things change. And uh, that's that's something that um, we're starting to see. We're seeing the unification, even though um, it's kind of slow. <laughs> Actually, very, very slow. But we are uh, seeing the unification gradually coming up. So on that note, let's just go refill our coffee and start our news off, okay? I'll see you guys in just under three minutes. Welcome back, everyone. I thought that I could just now, use we- that little break right now just to give us a little bit of a coffee refill because I actually started the show with no coffee. Mm, that's not good. So um, in other news, so let's start. 
I want you guys the first hour to kind of just think about it for a second. You're seeing history being rewritten in front of you. So obviously you must come to terms with the fact that all history, you know, has been rewritten. The person that controls the pen to write the future also controls the eraser to rewrite the past. And this is coming from someone that's been peeking forward only to come back, right? And um, it's um, it's getting... It's getting crazy. It's getting a little bit crazy. And uh, you are starting to see it. Uh, you know, apparently, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg had a last wish. Oh, no, no. The next president should fill my seat. So we're going to stay eight years more with no seat. Stop. First of all, I checked the Constitution. Nowhere does is there a last wish clause where we don't, you know, apply the laws. And it doesn't say anywhere, hey, in case of a last dying wish or whatever of whoever they may think they are, uh, you know, you don't apply, you, you stop being president, please. So low, so bizarre. Um, not only that, we had the president attend the funeral. Remember, Obama didn't even go to Scalia's, right, at all, right? He didn't. Um, and he was there. People were screeching and screaming because they can't kill babies anymore. Tori, that's not right. Roe versus Wade is still there. February 2021. You just wait. Because you know what we got coming in 2021? Always getting crazy because we're going to start talking about it now. See, even though we have elections, I'm going to be dedicating most of my time. Let's start talking about 9-11 and Uranium One. See, I saw a lot of reports coming out about Uranium One. Uranium One. I told you that about, what, 2019. Obviously, I don't have my Twitter account. I'm going to continue appealing it though. I don't have my Twitter account, but I, once I, once I get it in there, I told you guys, Ohio, uh, those emails that I sent to Ohio asking them, yo, Hey, what's up? This case is like from 2001, just sitting there on uranium one. Uh, they were supposed to respond. It's just there. And within days, uh, the judge, Suddenly there's a motion. Let's close this case. Let's finish it. Oh, no, not so fast. I got everything I need first. Now you can go running. What happened? What happened? Why, why are you running? Mm-hmm. 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 And I saw a story today that um, Solomon actually tweeted out. I think it was Paul Sperry that put it out about Ohio and Uranium One. And I was like, oh, nice of you to catch up. Um, so it is happening and we're going to have to talk about uranium one, but the most important one is nine 11, nine 11, nine 11. Why? Well, March 25th during the uh, Corona, right. Uh, that they were, oh, and I had tweeted and I was like banned a little bit for a couple days off my Twitter. Cause they said, Oh, this is not about health. It's about elections and impeachment. And I tweeted that out and it was like, yo, can't log back on to your account now, Kenya. So what happened when I put that out? Well, University of Alaska came out with a report saying that Building 7 was an actual controlled demolition. That's odd. And then the third judge that's on the 9-11 panel totally, totally resigned. He put in to retire. 
And it's like, what? We're supposed to select a jury. Now we don't have judges. Thank you, Sessions. What's up? Because January, we're selecting a jury for 9-11. That's going to be very interesting. Super interesting. Oh, speaking of 9-11 and blaming the Saudis and stuff. Hold on. Oh, don't tell me I don't have it. I want to remind you guys of this. Speaking of Pegasus and, you know, Titans and big giants and Saudi Arabia, of course. I thought we could um, remind ourselves of this happening. Pretty interesting. Oh, wait. Let me play a clip with it so that way they don't ding me. So I'm just going to play some background music because, you know, it's like YouTube just wants to keep like... Yeah, AP is all over me. Let me see. We could put something nice in the background. Okay, how awesome was that? Now that that it goes with the first hour, so that way um, you can um, let that percolate for a bit. And see, Russell made a very good comment. Let me post this. This looks a hundred percent NWO to me, actually. I um, have to beg to differ. This is how you throw wrenches into ideas like this, an international order. This is how you throw ideas like that into disarray. Uh, Saudi Arabia used to be what they called a off-with-their-head nation. Only because they were controlled through the eyes of a witch. And one would be like, that sounds like a fairy tale. Well, that's a conversation for another time. And I think tonight, uh, when we're going to have our first, um, I think we should, you know, for those of you that are Amazon Prime members, don't forget to link link your Twitch account. We're going to do it tonight. um, It's um, 7 p.m. Eastern time. That way it doesn't overlap with that. Oh, no. See, you guys watch other stuff, too. I mean, I'm trying to think like it's only an hour episode. So should we do nine o'clock? Cause I know quite frankly's on Pete Santilli's on. Uh, so should we do, should we do nine o'clock Eastern today? First time. So we could do it every Thursday, 9 PM. Uh, so that way we can analyze things that, you know, are being told stories are always told through different means, either that be your music, um, your chants, your writings, your uh, video, your movies, your TV shows. There's a lot of stories that get told. So I, um, for those of you that are Amazon Prime members, link your Twitch account. We'll have an Amazon Prime uh, show. We're going to be watching uh, a series, an original Amazon series together. So if you're a Prime member, it doesn't cost you extra to, to just link your um, Prime account. Um, yeah, and he's on Twitch. Um, Frank, quite frankly, is on Twitch, but I know he's on at seven. So I'm like, let's do it at nine. Um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. Um, and we're going to get to comment on it because there's, um, in every story told, there's always the story they tell you and the story they don't tell you. And with eyes that can actually see, not just look, but actually see, you know, the French word for seeing is regard, which is you take regard, I would say to, this is how I, um, say it. So regard, does that mean that you note or do you understand? So with eyes that can now see from what you've experienced in the past four, almost four years, right? 
Maybe you'll see something in that story that's not being told. Hmm? It's always a story that they don't tell you. Um, that's, that's the interesting part. But sometimes they're very blatant and they tell you stories and you're just like, what is happening here? Am I being punked? Is this really happening? Kind of like this Fox News, uh, you know, uh, report of President Trump is dodging questions on peaceful transfer of power. What's going on here? Hmm? What happened there? What kind of statement is that? Let's see. President Trump sounding the alarm again on mail-in voting and predicting that the Supreme Court will have to decide the outcome of the election. Part of why he thinks it's urgent to confirm a replacement for Justice Ginsburg before Election Day. Watch. This is going to be a disaster. I'm not even saying bad for me. I, it could work both ways. I don't think it will work both ways, but it could work both ways. It could be against Republicans or Democrats. I think this will end up in the Supreme Court. And I think it's very important that we have nine justices. Former White House Press Secretary and Fox News contributor Sarah Sanders joins me now. She's author of the new book, Speaking for Myself, Faith, Freedom, and the Fight for Our Lives Inside the Trump White House. It is now available in store. Sarah, it's always great to talk to you. You just heard the president's comments there a few seconds ago. What do you make of him continuing to hammer the idea of mail-in ballots? Well, I think there's certainly concern for a lot of states who have never conducted mail-in voting before um, and have openly said that it could take days, if not weeks, to count all of those ballots. Even reporting as of today says that Joe Biden's campaign, who has been uh, very supportive of mail-in voting over the past several weeks and months, is now encouraging their voters to vote in person uh, because of what we can expect to be large delays um, and certainly a difficult process for those who have never, con- for states who have never conducted mm-hmm. mail-in voting prior to this election. Um, having that type of delay could cause, uh, I-, I think, very much destabilizing our country, pushing off a week before we know who the winner is could certainly, I think, lead to a lot of people questioning the final result, which I don't think is good for anyone. Yeah. And we should note that there are states that, you know, will actually be counting ballots six days after the election. That's a good point. But, you know, even when the president was asked about committing to a peaceful transfer of power, he brought up again mail-in balloting. Watch this. Will you commit to making sure that there is a peaceful transferal of power after the election? Well, we're going to have to see what happens. You know that I've been complaining very strongly about the ballots and the ballots are a disaster. Yeah. The critics say he's girding for a fight here. Sarah, your thoughts. Well, I I think the president feels like many Americans that it's not going to matter because he's going to win on Election Day and he'll be serving another four years. So I don't think he expects to need uh, to have any type of transfer of power. I think he feels like he's in a good place polling this week uh, in several key battleground states like Arizona and Florida have the president ahead. I think he feels good about where he is right now. Uh, But again, I do think that there is concern for states who have not conducted this type of mail-in voting before and having that delay. I think it's going to cause a lot of people to question that final result if we don't know what it is and they don't even finish and or in some cases start counting some of the ballots until six days after the election takes place. 
So the debate is about five days away now. We're told in preparations that Joe Biden is doing intensive preps. The president is doing what he's doing. Uh, political rights, the following here. Trump falls into a trap he's set for Biden. Some on Trump's team are bracing for a humiliating loss at next week's debate after Trump lowered expectations by before Biden by mocking his acumen for months. Do you feel like the Trump campaign is, is lowering expectations for the president's performance? Well, I think that if Joe Biden doesn't fall asleep on stage, the media will declare him the winner, regardless of how well the president does. But let's not forget, President Trump is taking questions almost every single day from the press uh, in a variety of different formats. So he is prepping all the time, whereas Joe Biden has not been doing day in and day out press conferences the way President Trump is. The way I see it, he's prepping every single day. I think he'll uh, do fine. He did a great job in 2016. I do think it's important for him to come out strong. But he isn't just up against Joe Biden. Unfortunately, he's up against the liberal media who want Joe Biden to do well in these debates. And if he doesn't completely blow it, I think they'll declare them, him the winner, no matter how good Donald Trump does on that stage. Sarah Sanders, good to see you. Thank you. You bet. So let's talk about this debate that's coming up, right? So uh, apparently he's not coming out and he's put a lid on things because, uh, <laughs> because, guess, he's prepping for the debate, which if he turns up, which now Kamala is at a 38% chance of coming up for him, uh, 38 uh, if he does go, it'll be considered elder ab abuse because, uh, uh, you know, and he may have a listening device and he has to take a DNA test. And, you know, we're all going to be there with bells on. Uh, so if he does show up, unless he gets the vid over the weekend, uh, he'll, you know, it'll be elder abuse complete. And it's like, how is it elder abuse? If he can't take and roll with punches of debating to demand people's vote and actually sound sound, even though for 40 years he's been fixing things and has done nothing but fix his own big account and fix what problems actually Bush Jr. caused. You know, Bush Jr. caused the problem and Mueller and Comey and all of them came in to fix it. I'm just saying. Bush Jr. wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer. And um, Bush Sr. was a little bit upset um, because he was like, well, I don't understand why we No, That's just not right. And it's like, oh, let's just put Ashcroft in the bed and we'll take over. And you need to shut up. It's our America. We're in charge. This fourth unelected branch of government. Tory, that's far-fetched. Well, Tory was right in the middle of it. So <laughs> yeah, that's the answer you get. So, you know, he kind of threw a little wrench into it. Um, and then he just sat back and just watched it go. That's why he stayed on as long as he did. And then Obama was supposed to be rebuilding it and Hillary was supposed to take it home. So Bush senior started it. Bush junior messed it up <laughs> on accident just because he's dumb. And then. <laughs> President Trump threw a wrench into all those cogs that are exploding left and right. And that's because there were a lot of people like Tory around that saw what happened and said, damn, Bush Jr., you could have blown this up. Instead, you sat there on your purple pillow and said, forget it. I'm not going to try so hard. It's all right. You guys forget very quickly how his White House tried to fix things. 
And they were railroaded by Mueller and Comey. Comey became acting attorney general and Mueller was the FBI director. They went after his White House people. But the minute, you know, his daddy came in, back slapped him, said, shut up. Just let them do it. You just sit there and look pretty. I guess as pretty as you can look. Uh, And they started to rebuild and usher it into the future. I mean, you know, if it hadn't been like that, 2005, we would have been, I mean, if we didn't have 9-11, we would have already had a very bloody civil war. Well, world war. 9-11 was their answer to it, to, 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 to bring it in. They didn't want to have to restart this whole thing over again. So they had to do something. 9-11 is coming. It's around the corner, you guys. It's coming. Sessions is going to find all those judges, right? All of them. All of them. Yeah. Um, so some person says Barr was buddies with Mueller. Yeah, he totally was. I, I was a lot of friends with people. I mean, in, in, in actual fact, there's a lot of people that have um, caused a lot of harm to our nation that I considered not, not friends, but people that I would call and, you know, wish a happy birthday to and, you know, share food with. You know, depends how you see friends, acquaintances, maybe. Reminds me, though, I have told you about my big Epstein file, right? But I haven't told you about New Mexico and why the New Mexico ranch is so important. I think we should do a show about that, but I think we need to do it next week because we're still waiting on Assange. So we're going to do that next week. All right. So continuing on with the news. Now they're talking elections. We're going to have elder abuse, right? If Joe Biden turns up to stage and if Kamala goes there, then it's going to be the feminists all pulling out. How dare you talk to a woman like that? She's a woman of color. I would totally love him to say, so how do you identify? Are you Indian or are you African-American? Because when you uh, ran and became a G, it was like, whoa, first Indian-American. And then when you got your Senate seat, it was like first, you know, Indian-American. Then suddenly it shifted to African-American. So you know, what do you identify as? Because it's really split right now. I would be a great question for someone else. I'm just a person of color. See how they changed that? Just a person of color. And do you still think that Biden is racist because, you know, he wanted segregation and he didn't like, you know, colored people? Because you're running with him and you called him racist. I mean, that's a fair question. Totally would love it. And then they'd come out with their whole feminist thing and you know what i hope we're watching to see who's giving out questions that'll be very interesting to see because little birdie's telling me that somebody's getting some questions fed i'm really hoping that they give them the wrong ones on purpose so um so we have them talking about how there's going to be issues with uh the votes and there's going to be delay and are we going to count them and are we going to be doing this and that in the meantime, we have Speaker Pelosi this morning saying things that are pretty terrifying. And I know a lot of you are like, oh, I just mute her. No, you have to listen to her because they tell you everything they're going to do. That's the thing. They can't not tell you. And the thing is, are you hearing her or are you listening to her? Because if you listen to her, it's really easy to understand what she's planning and what they're doing. In uh, 76, long time ago, she applied to be to practice law in the Supreme Court. The vote against her was 
six to three. There were nine justices then, as now, six to three, because she was a woman. They turned her down. So she didn't take no for an answer. She campaigned with, a, 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 a advocated for change with the Congress of the United States. And she said, uh, she won. Congress passed a law that says, it passed a bill saying that women with the qualifications must be admitted to the bar of the Supreme Court. And Ginsburg then goes on to say, it is my favorite example of how sometimes the Congress is more in touch with changing times and expansion of idea of equality than the court is. I remind you that when the court in you know, current history rules against women in the workplace by ruling against Lily Led in a Lily Ledbetter case, the dissent was written by Justice Ginsburg. Her dissent became the basis for the Lily Ledbetter Fair Pay Act, which was passed in the Congress and the first bill to be signed by President Barack Obama, his very first bill to sign. Once again, the Congress more in touch uh, with the changing times and expansion of equality in our country. First time was, uh, I think it ended up at 1879 by the time it was finished. In any event, her passing uh, is like just a death in so many families in our country because uh, we so many people pinned their hopes heeded her guidance, admired her stamina, uh, her love of the arts, bringing civility to her relationships in the court and in the country. At the same time as we observe her passing, we observe the deaths in the family of 200,000 Americans from the coronavirus. We mourn every one of them. I had uh, the opportunity to be invited the other day, a couple of days ago, when the number was exceeded, actually, where there were 20,000 flags on the mall in front of the Washington, the Washington Monument. 20,000 flags. Just if you saw the optic of it, the visual of that many flags representing each one of them, 10 people who had died. 10 families, 200,000 families suffering this loss and some of them not even able to give a hug goodbye or be close uh, to their loved ones as they passed on from this. It did not have to be this way, but Trump's contempt of science and the health of the American people, including the cover-up of the catastrophic nature of the virus and his resistance to mask wearing, distancing, and other science-based steps to slow the virus has led to an historic national tragedy. Terrible, <clears throat> immoral failure on the part of this president. We advanced a science-based proposal to crush the virus in the HEROES Act, that was four months ago. But our insistence on testing began March 4th. That was our first bill that we passed on coronavirus in the Congress. March 4th, testing, testing, testing and other bills of a long way, bipartisan bill, but not implemented. HEROES Act had not only the resources, but the strategic plan set forth by the Energy and Commerce Committee, its chairman, Frank Malone. Ignored science. 
science, testing, tracing, treatment, isolation, sanitation, mask wearing, could have saved many lives. Not all, but many. Either the GOP does not understand the gravity of the situation or do not care about meeting America's families' needs. Again, sadly, within hours of Justice Ginsburg's passing, just that, well, they had it planned in advance, you know, because we barely heard that she had passed uh, when McConnell said that they were going to, um, to approve a justice soon. Is she rest in peace? Any sense of decency? I guess not. But you know why? You know why? And this is really important. When people talk about this and do that and that, it's important to the American people to know. With that statement, and the president's statement as well, what they're saying is we have to put somebody there. They'll never replace Justice Ginsburg. We have to fill that seat so that we can overturn the Affordable Care Act. People have to know what, why this matters to them in their lives. If you have a pre-existing condition, of which 150 million families in America do, say goodbye to the benefit. Overturn the benefit of the pre-existing condition. If your children, and millions of children are, on, your parents, on their parents' policy, that's over. Medicaid, Medicare, all of the provisions in the Affordable Care Act to, uh, to strengthen those initiatives. And in terms of Medicaid, if you have a senior member of your family who needs long-term care and benefits from Medicaid, pretty soon they'll be living in your house with you because that benefit will be gone. And if you're a woman... The Affordable Care Act said if you're a woman, no longer will being a woman be a pre-existing medical condition, something that many of us can speak of firsthand, where women paid more, if they could even get the coverage. So these are just some of the uh, benefits that affect America's families, kitchen table <coughs> issues about how they maintain their health and their financial health because health care is expensive. So it is, it just goes on and on about what will be gone. That's the method to their madness. Let's just get in there and overturn the Affordable Care Act. And at the same time, we can mess with the election. But the thing that matters in people's personal lives is the Affordable Care Act. And if I just had to say it in one sentence, the pre-existing condition benefit. The president's been in office nearly four years. He keeps talking about supporting a pre-existing condition. He hasn't done anything about it. We would very much been willing to work with him to remove all doubt that if you're a pre-existing condition or if your baby is born with some uh, physical needs that, measure, uh, that are a pre-existing condition for a lifetime. And in the Affordable Care Act, there is no lifetime limit on what you can receive in terms of benefit. So this I'm a little proprietary about the Affordable Care Act and we will we have defended it uh, to 10,000 events with people telling their stories. That's how we saved it. That's how we passed it and that's how we saved it and that's what is at risk right now. 
And that's why they were in such a hurry. Yesterday, we had the heartbreaking report, the news breaking, that justice was denied on Breonna Taylor, Breonna Taylor and her family. Just think if it were your daughter, your sister, your cousin, your relative, your friend, was murdered by the police, and there was no, the charging decision held no one accountable for her death. In June, the House passed the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act uh, to bring accountability to our justice system. I call upon the Senate to vote upon it immediately. We owe it to Breonna Taylor, to George Floyd, Philando Castile, and so many others. So many others. Uh, provisions in the, in the bill would have prevented this from happening. With all the respect in the world for our men and women in blue, they have to there has to be respect for our police, but respect uh, for uh, doing the job in a way. So maybe if her boyfriend didn't shoot at the police, then maybe she wouldn't have been killed. And maybe if, you know, they had not shot the weapon, they actually knocked. It was not a no-knock warrant. No-knock warrant is like we come in and we just put a gun to your face. Uh, but they didn't. They actually knocked. And they knew that they were coming. And he got his gun and shot. And they started shooting back and forth. And she was caught in the middle. So because she was caught in the middle and her name was actually on the warrant because she may have been housing the or assisting or aiding you could be aiding someone and not knowing it i'm just saying you could they could be living in your house you could have spotted them five hundred dollars maybe they had your pin to your debit card or you know you don't know right i, I doubt that she doesn't because her brother had been arrested so many times with her boyfriend for selling drugs but for some reason you know uh she was she was she may have been innocent she may have been you know in love and just dealing with the fact that her brother's a continual criminal and she was in love with this guy and yeah and she could have just been in the middle of it and because she lives with the guy and because he's in her house and because you know the warrant was for her he's the one that took the shot she could have been innocent in regards to helping him with the drugs. She might have known he does that stuff, but it doesn't mean she helped him. And even if she knows, I know a lot of people that sell drugs. I mean, some of them are sitting in the Senate. <laughs> and one of them's on, on your screen and you've been listening to her. Remember, it was her container company that got caught with three tons of meth in Australia, right? I'm just saying. I'm saying, oh, just saying. But... um. But that doesn't mean that you committed a crime because you know other people do drugs or sell drugs and you're not telling someone. I, I'm, I mean, let's be honest. Just, that's facts. That has justice for all. I was told by a, one of your cameramen the other day that in the black community, there's a saying, justice, not just us. And so we don't want there to be two systems of justice. What? It's like one camel making fun of another camel's hump, right? Uh-huh, you have a hump. And it's like, dude, so do you. It's like, what are you talking about, Nancy? You would have been in jail from the minute you were bribed with an IPO from Visa to push through that bill so many years ago. Like, 
It's like, yeah, my poop doesn't stink in two-tiered justice system. You mean for you? This week, we had a big bipartisan vote on the CR. I was very pleased that we'll avert a shutdown and enable us to uh, continue the work of passing elements of the HEROES Act that, so that we can save lives, livelihood, and the life of our democracy. For the children, nearly $8 billion in direly needed uh, nutrition assistance for seniors prevented what would have happened if we didn't act, uh, up to $50 per month expense uh, for Part B premium height. Uh, and it's now like 4 or $5 versus the 50 We save the Republicans from themselves because we know what we're doing. And for our communities, includes a one-year surface transportation authorization. And for our farmers, boosts accountability to the Commodity Credit Corporation, which now prevents, and also prevent, imagine that they were going to use money saying, this is for the farmers. Well, we want it to be for family farmers, not necessarily corporate farmers. So we wanted to have clarity and accountability and transparency and all of that. But imagine that they had announced that they were going to spend $300 million from the CCC, which is for farmers, uh, to give a bailout to big oil. The bill prevents that from happening. Yeah, I know. We only stick with sugar and now. And that the is done. We hope that the administration will come forward to, uh, with the resources to meet the needs of the American people. We came down a trillion dollars in our three point. Yeah, but then she came up a trillion dollars somewhere else. See, this is what they do. Look, we took down a trillion dollars there, but we added the pork on the other end, right? No looking. Don't look. See, look, we took out. It's like we took out a trillion, but then we added a couple trillion on the other end, too. So we have the press secretary. She started already. That way we can pause and go back. Um, Here she is. Let's listen to what Slele has to say today. It'll be interesting. Good afternoon, everyone. The radicals are in control of the Democrat Party. Make no mistake, Democrat radicals want to shatter norms and disregard precedent for the sake of the very norms and precedent they claim must be safeguarded. They've proposed court packing, an egregious idea. They've entertained impeachment as punishment for the president exercising his lawful Article 2, Section 2 authority to appoint, uh, nominate rather, a justice to the Supreme Court. They've advocated for the abolition of the Electoral College. These are all the tactics that they are using to sow chaos and discord. Likewise, they're endorsing a mass mail-out ballot system that will likely lead to the kind of week-long delay New York witnessed in its recent primary. Far-left radicals resort to tactics like this to push their extreme agenda because they cannot win on the merits. They cannot succeed based on the will of the American people. This administration will continue to call out these tactics while Democrats should end their petty politics and get to work. And with that, I'll take questions. John. Yeah, Kelly, I wonder if you could just clean up or clarify something the president said yesterday. Um, if he loses this election, can you assure us that there will be a peaceful transfer of power? You are referring to the question asked by the Playboy Wait a minute. If he loses, how is he going to lose? Kamala Harris couldn't even gather 2% within her own base. Biden wasn't getting any votes. They just gave it to him. He just got the nomination. He wasn't even supposed to be 
you know, running for president. Let's remember that. How the heck is President Trump going to lose? What universe does this guy, definitely not an alternate timeline, well, maybe a communist one, Marxist communism, because there are different types of communism. This is insane. Like, how can you even ask that question? Porter writes. I'm referring to you with the president being asked if, if there would be a peaceful transfer of power, and he did not uh, say yes. Yeah, so I believe- I'm asking you, will there be a peaceful transfer of power if he loses this? I country? believe that. Peaceful transfer of power to who? To who? Like, do they really think, okay, Joe Biden couldn't get enough people behind him. They had Bernie, the super commie. Well, he has like an alternate version of Marxism, right? It's more Leninism, right? That the people in that base wanted, you know, the the brainwashed camp. But they can't have Bernie on there because Bernie, he's already got the eye thing. So he's got the scar in the eye, same one that McCain had. So it's done. So um, they didn't want Bernie. So they just placed Joe Biden. Kamala couldn't get not even 2% of her own base. Like even like she's not really not likable at all. I mean, come on. How is he going to win? How did they even come up with these questions? It's like, seriously, seriously, there is like no possible way. Why are we even asking these questions? Question asked by the Playboy Power. In fact, I think I have it right here. Uh, he was asked. He was asked when, lose or draw, whether he would accept the transfer of power. I'm not entirely sure if he won. Why he would accept a transfer of power? That is um, maybe the deranged wish of that reporter. But that's not how uh, governing works. Very direct and very simple question: If the president loses this election, will this White House, will this president assure us that there will be a peaceful transfer of power? It's a very simple question. The, the president. The president will accept the results of a free and fair election. Uh, But I think that your question is more fitting to be asked of Democrats who have already been on the record saying they won't accept the results of an election. Um, In fact, I have several of them here for you. South Carolina Democrat uh, Jim Clyburn has said uh, that Trump is not going to win fairly. Senator Barbara Boxer has said that the only way Trump will win is to steal it. That's according to Democrat Senator Barbara Boxer. Uh, the Washington Post has noted um, they have a headline, Democrats may not trust the results of the election if Trump wins. And then you have uh, that beautiful quote from Hillary Clinton that Joe Biden should not concede under any circumstance. So I think your fitting is more quest- more uh, fitting, a fitting question for Democrats. Yes. Kelly, uh, Kelly, just to understand this clearly, are the results legitimate only if the president wins? The president will accept the results of a free and fair election. He will accept the will of the American people. So for clarity, if he loses and it's free and fair, he will accept. I've answered your question. He will accept the results of a free and fair election. Let me ask you about Breonna Taylor, if I can, right now. First of all, just a little housekeeping. Has the president spoken to the family of Breonna Taylor? Um, I'm not aware of any conversation that they've had, but our hearts do go out to her family. Has the president spoken to the officers who were shot last night in Louisville? I'm not aware of any conversations. So the president spoke to the officers who were shot in Los Angeles, but to this point, there's no indication the president at any point over the last several months has spoken to the family of Breonna Taylor. I guess why not? The president routinely um, speaks to victims of horrendous um, tragedies. I've been here when he's um, met with the parents who lost uh, their children to instances of police brutality. Um, It was a really beautiful meeting, and the president um, consoled them. He's talked to the widows who have lost their husbands to 
police officers. He's um, spoken to widows of fallen soldiers. He routinely reaches out to victims of all kinds of atrocities, and he'll continue to do that. What is the president's yes. message to the family of Brianna? I heard what you said. We grieve for them. But what is the president's message to the family of Breonna Taylor that does not believe they received justice? That our hearts go out to her. Um, it was a horrible tragedy that happened and that our hearts also are with the two police officers who were shot last night in the Louisville riots. When you say our, you mean, you mean the White House, including yes, the president? Yes, I speak on behalf of the president. Yes. His thoughts go out. I am the president's spokesperson. I speak on his behalf, well, Peter. Ben, go ahead. So, Kaylee, yesterday when the president said, get rid of the ballots, there won't be a transfer, frankly, there'll be a continuation. Which particular ballots is he talking about wanting to get rid of, and why does he think that would help him get elected? Uh, the president wants to get rid of mass mail-out voting, um, and that's not because it. he said clearly that that could go either way. It could damage either candidate's um, chances because it's a system that's subject to fraud. In fact, in the last 24 hours, police in Greenville, Wisconsin, found mail in a ditch, and it included absentee ballots. Um, and also, I can confirm for you that Trump ballots, um, ballots for the president were found in Pennsylvania, and I believe you should be getting more information on that shortly. Here in the last 24 hours, they were found cast aside. So why in the past hour did the president tweet out, vote by mail ballots in my home state of Florida, begin going out today, make sure you request yours, fill it out and send it in? The president has always made the distinction that absentee ballots, where you go through a process where you request a ballot um, and you mail that in, that is a system that works. But a system where you mass mail out to voter rolls, which are not kept and maintained, where in Los Angeles County, for instance, you have 120 percent of the county enrolled. That system is untenable. It doesn't work. It leads to what we saw in Nevada, where there were ballots languishing in trash cans and pinned to apartment boards. And finally, uh, today, FBI Director Ray testified on the Hill that he has not seen historically any kind of coordinated national voter fraud effort in a major election, whether it's by mail or otherwise. So if the president's own FBI director says this isn't a problem, why does the president keep saying it is? Well, as Attorney General Barr has said, we've never had an election where we've done mass mail-out voting like this before. Um, I would point you to a bipartisan study um, done by none other than Jimmy Carter, who said that these mail-in votes uh, remain the largest source of potential fraud. And he even cited an example of a 1997 Miami mayor election that resulted in 36 arrests for absentee ballot fraud. That election had to be rerun and the results were reversed. Uh, that is an example from 1997. But there are many others like Patterson, New Jersey, where four men were charged with voting fraud recently. Four more men were charged in California. And there's a ton of examples. I could get you an encyclopedia of fraudulent examples we've had. Ballots are going out. If the president does win, will he still think it was rigged and fraudulent? I've already answered this question. Yes. Uh, the president's niece uh, filed a lawsuit in New York State Court today, alleging that the president and two of his siblings had cheated her out of millions and squeezed her out of the family business. And we were hoping to get reaction from the White House. Yeah, uh, the only fraud committed there was Mary Trump recording uh, one of her relatives, and uh, she's really discredited herself. Yes. Um, Kaylee, on TikTok, we know that the CFIUS negotiations are continuing. Can you say, has the president been briefed in the last couple days about how the CFIUS negotiations are going? Do you know when those negotiations will end? 
Yeah, not that I, I'm not aware of the brief his briefing schedule with regard to TikTok, but what I can say is what the president has said, which is that any deal has to be 100% as far as national security is concerned. And I'd refer you uh, to his comments as well as of those uh, from the Department of Treasury for any further specifics. I'd refer you there. Yes, Jeff. Uh, thank you, Kaylee. The president suggested yesterday that he might overrule stricter standards at the FDA on the coronavirus vaccine. Why would the president not want strict standards for a vaccine on the coronavirus? Well, the FDA uh, does have strict standards. They are uh, the gold standard with regard to vaccines. Uh, the president was referring to the normal interagency process that happens uh, with guidance, and that includes running through um, the Office of Management and Budget. So that's standard operating procedure. And I would also point out, I spoke to Dr. Hahn this morning, um, and Dr. Hahn said that the guidance issued um, was a follow-up to June 30th guidance that they put out, and it was um, guidance It was guidance that they gave uh, to pharmaceutical companies to provide them with more regulatory clarity. Yes. Uh, the White House is describing this health care event today as a chance for the president to outline his vision. Is that something less than his plan? And uh, just a, a second part of that, does the White House think that it can address the country's challenges with health care solely through executive action? So um, the president will be laying out um, his health care vision today. I don't want to get ahead of exactly what that will look like. There will be um, some tangible actions taken, um, as well as the president really laying out, which I something that I think has been overlooked, the real contrast between what Obamacare gave us between 2013 and 2017 and what the president has delivered. Um, and, and I think we have a graphic to that effect. I'm not, I'm not sure if they were able to put it together in time. Um, but with Obamacare, it is a fact that from 2013 to 2017, 2017, premiums in this country went up. In fact, they went up by 105% on the individual market. Um, and you contrast that with President Trump, what he's managed to do um, by rolling back a lot of Obamacare. And we've seen premiums on the individual market go down. Um, same for Medicare Part D and Medicare Advantage, the polar opposite of what happened with Obamacare, where those premiums went up. So premiums have come down under this president. Drug prices have come down under President Obama. Drug prices were up 15%. Um, under President Trump, they came down for the first time in 50 years. Um, and then finally, under Obamacare, you had choice that went down. One third of counties had only one insurer in the individual market. Um, and with President Trump, there are new affordable options like AHPs, STLDIs, and HRAs, uh, healthcare reimbursement arrangements, um, as well as employer-sponsored insurance um, that has gone up. We've seen an increase of 1.5 million in 2019. So these principles... Um, have undergirded the Trump presidency, and he will use many of the same uh, principles going forward. And you'll get his comprehensive health care vision that will include some action items um, here in short order. Is this the extent of the plan, or is there more after this? This is going to be his full vision uh, that he has been talking about over the last few weeks, um, and it'll be in Charlotte, North Carolina uh, today. Yes. Thanks so much, Kaylee. I wanted to ask about the Supreme Court uh, considerations. Um, has the president met with all the top candidates uh, that are under consideration? Are there any others? Who else is he? Are there any others that he still plans to meet? Judge Lagoa, for example, does he still plan to meet with Judge Lagoa? So I'm not going to get into the president's private meetings with these candidates. He's noted that there are five he's considering. They all fall in the same mold as textualists, originalists, constitution-abiding judges. Today at the Supreme Court, uh, when the president approached, uh, you know, was was paying his respects to Justice Ginsburg, there were some people in the crowd that started to chant uh, to 
respect her wishes, to uphold her wishes. Um, do you have some thoughts on those chants, which also you know, included vote him out? Yeah, I think the, the chants were appalling, but certainly to be expected when you're in the heart of the swamp. I travel with the president all across the country, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Florida, Nevada, and everywhere we go, uh, the streets are lined with support um, like I don't think any other president has had previously. Um, but with regard to precedent, as I've noted before, 29 times has an appointment uh, been made in an election year, um, 29 times. And that was all 29 times um, when there was a vacancy um, at hand. So the precedent is very much on our side here. And I would also note the hypocrisy of Democrats, Joe Biden saying, I would go forward with the confirmation process as chairman, even a few months before an election. Uh, Barack Obama saying, fill the Supreme Court vacancy when it was his tenure. And you had Kamala Harris saying as well, uh, uh, that Senate GOP is holding SCOTUS hostage for political gain. Join me in calling them to consider uh, President Obama's nominee. So they've really flipped here because the precedent is on our side and their hypocrisy is on full display. Yes. Um, the former number two of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Paul Selva, who served under President Trump, he and 500 other national security and military leaders, they endorsed Joe Biden today. You guys have a... Oh my God. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Shadowgate. They're so pissed. They're so pissed. See, they lost all their contracts. It's going to be so much fun to watch those awarded contracts for war get audited. They are so pissed. Shadowgate. Comment on that, given that it doesn't seem like Jim Mattis and Joe Dunford, who also served under the president, are rushing to support in this election. Yeah, I think the president's record speaks for itself. Our military men and women, our veterans, love this president for a very distinct reason. Um, under Obama-Biden, sequestration really gutted our military. You had the Navy at its smallest point ever, um, and the other military branches were absolutely gutted. Then you had President Trump, who came in and secured a record amount of funding for our military and our department of defense and built up our military. Um, when it comes to veterans, the appalling uh, way that our veterans were treated at the VA under Obama-Biden, there was an IG report that as many as 300,000 veterans, think about it, that, 300,000 veterans could have died waiting for care. This president came in, put in the VA Missions Act, secured real choice and options for our veterans. Um, and that's the reason that the military and our veterans love this president. But why is Selva endorsing uh, I can't speak to one person's reasoning, but uh, this president, when you look at what he's done, um, bringing our troops home and all he's done in aggregate, uh, the rank and file in this military love this president. Yes. Thanks, Kelly. Uh, two quick follow-ups on what's been discussed earlier. Does the president still have confidence in the FDA commissioner based on his comments yesterday? Um, there are no changes. Dr. Hahn is FDA commissioner, so yes. And then to follow up, you said that you thought the chance outside the Supreme Court this morning were appalling. Uh, is there any issue with people peaceably demonstrating and chanting at the president? No, of course. Everyone has a First Amendment in this country, but I thought it was an appalling and disrespectful thing to do as the president honored Justice Ginsburg. Yes. What was the emergency call the president left yesterday's briefing to take? Um, the, I'm not going to get into a readout of the president's calls, but he regularly takes very important phone calls. Yes, Thank you, definitely. Um, what's the likelihood that Sudan will be the next country to recognize Israel? 
And are there any new developments that you're expecting after the Emirates in Bahrain recognized Israel? So the president has noted that there are several other countries that want to make agreements of this sort. Um, I won't confirm exactly which country will be next, but rest assured the world has looked at what this president did. Historic agreements between the UAE uh, and Israel and Bahrain. And do you see deals like, like you haven't seen in a quarter of a century? It was 26 years um, it, between the second uh, and the third deal in just 29 days between the third and the fourth. This president's the only president to have um, overseen the normalization of relations um, between Israel and two Middle East countries. Um, to have two on his watch is a really big deal. And no wonder, uh, two Nobel Peace Prize nominations as well. Yes, slowly. Yeah, thank you. Uh, what's the status of coronavirus vaccine? this year. Do you expect this to be available before Christmas? Um, we do expect to have a vaccine by the end of the year. Uh, that has always been the goal, and we are still on track for that. Um, it's very important uh, that what the president has done with regard to commercial um, level manufacturing, as uh, Dr. Salawi told me, the fact that you have scaled up to manufacture these vaccines in advance um, is a, a something that this president has done because he's a businessman and thinks through um, exactly uh, how to get a safe and effective vaccine delivered at record speed. And part of that has entailed manufacturing in advance. Um, and to do this, it normally takes years to scale up to commercial level production. But this president has done it in just a few short months. And um, if we have this vaccine by the end of the year, it will be the fastest pace for a vaccine for a novel pathogen in history. Yes. Thank you, Kaylee. I wanted to go back to mail-in voting for just a bit. Right now, five states conduct elections entirely by mail-in prior to the pandemic with no cases or no major cases of fraud. Does that success not give the president's confidence in mail-in voting? So those states have um, had time and a history of doing a, a, having a workable system um, and one that has been done for many years, for many election cycles to move the entire country to mass mail-in voting all at once and have an entirely uh, new system and, and do that in just a few short months is an untenable and an unworkable proposition. I mean, one that has shown uh, to not work well at all, especially when you look at the disenfranchisement, which I think is, is really uh, troubling when it comes to mass mail-in voting. Um, in 2016, you have had 1% of ballots thrown out, absentee ballots, that amounted to 319,000 votes thrown out. And if you have the entirety of the country voting by mail, you can imagine that number would be many folds higher than that. And you look just in the primary where you've seen states try to move to this mass mail-in system. Uh, there were 100,000 ballots rejected in California and New York city. Um, one in five mail-in ballots were rejected. Um, and as a former DOJ voting rights official said, um, it's nuts. That is just way too high when one in five voters, because of mass mail-in voting, um, have their ballots thrown out. Yes. Wait, and something breaking I just wanted to add to that is um, apparently the Justice Department discovered, okay, hear this, the FBI actually found military mail-in ba ba mail ballots discarded in Pennsylvania, 100% of them were cast for President Trump. So um, this is something new. It says Harrisburg on Monday, September 21st, this is just released today, on Monday, September 21st, 2020, at the request of Luzerne County District Attorney Stephanie Salavantish, She's Greek, by the way. The Office of the United States Attorney, along with the Federal Bureau of Investigation, 
Scranton, Scranton Residence Office began an inquiry into report of potential issues with a small number of mail-in ballots at, Luzer- uh, at Luzerne County Board of Elections. Since Monday, FBI personnel working together with uh, the Pennsylvania State Police have conducted numerous interviews and recovered and reviewed certain physical evidence. Election officials in Luzerne County have been cooperative. At this point, we can confirm that a small number of military ballots were discarded. Investigators have recovered nine ballots at this time. Some of those ballots can be attributed to specific voters and some cannot. All nine ballots were cast for presidential candidate Donald J. Trump. Our inquiry remains ongoing, and we expect later today to share our up-to-date findings with officials in Luzerne County. It is vital duty of the government to ensure that every properly cast vote is counted. Wow. So military, those that are serving the country, the rank and file that love the president, not the military industrial complex ones, not the generals that are looking forward to their cushy job after their tour, not those, but the actual soldiers, their votes are the ones being thrown in the garbage. Just think about that for a sec. Thank you, Kaylee. Uh, Yesterday, the Senate released an 87-page report on Hunter Biden and Joe Biden's dealings across the board of Ukraine and with Russia. Um, Specifically, it showed Hunter Biden supporting Russian prostitution, human trafficking, receiving $3.5 million from Moscow. The question to you is, does the White House have any intention of helping the DOJ should an investigation be opened up on the Bidens? And number two... Do you have a response to Rudy Giuliani yesterday telling us that um, this should immediately disqualify Joe Biden from his candidacy? Yeah, those were, that was a very troubling report. You know, I'll leave it to the DOJ as to how they move forward. Um, but I mean, I think this New York Post cover uh, says it all. You know, I heard so much about Russia collusion, uh, but it appears the only uh, collusion going on was between Hunter Biden as he accepted three point five million dollars uh, from the wife um, of the Moscow mayor. Very troubling indeed. And in addition to that, Ukraine money as well. Um, and it's good that the Senate looked into that. Um, but finally, I would like to note the situation in Louisville, Kentucky last night. There were reports of vandalism. Uh, there were nearly 100 arrests and the Trump administration urges calm and reminds those who wish to have their voices heard uh, to do so peacefully. You have a right to peaceful protest as outlined in the First Amendment. Um, and the Attorney General Daniel Cameron said, if we simply act on emotion or outrage, there is no justice. Mob justice is not Justice, justice sought by violence is not justice. It just becomes revenge. And you contrast his message with that of CNN's Brianna Keeler, who said, I question the judgment of the Kentucky Attorney General saying that mob justice is not justice. We know that this is very loaded language. That's an appalling statement um, from Brianna Keeler at CNN. And what is outrageous about this take is that mob justice is not justice. Hours later, after this comment was made on CNN, two police officers were shot. This is not justice. This has nothing to do with politics. It has everything to do with the value of human life and the safety and security of our American cities. And across the country, uh, we've seen our police officers come under fire in the line of duty in Los Angeles. There was an ambush attempt on two police officers in Phoenix. A U.S. Marshal was ambushed and shot outside a federal courthouse in Linwood, California. A suspect approached a patrol car and fired a handgun into the passenger side window. And in Suffolk, Virginia, a a suspect open fired on a marked police car 
hitting the vehicle three times. Uh, our police officers deserve our respect and the violence that is being committed towards them, and this was just in the last week and a half, uh, is outrageous. And the words of, of CNN and of Brianna Keeler are outrageous, irresponsible, uh, and we should never hear statements like that, followed by hours later, two police officers being shot. Kaylee, what is the presence of the protest? That was it. All right. So, Talking about riots and whatnot, I saw this awesome clip from this awesome sheriff that needs to be bought 150 beers from all of us that made it super simple. You've got to be dumb not to understand. This is how you put CNN in their place. Standing today, this is a peaceful protest. Totally. This is a riot. Yep. With pictures. We can tell the difference. The governor can tell the difference. Our law enforcement officers can tell a difference. In the event you didn't get that, let me show you something. This is a peaceful protest. Totally. This is looting. Chanel bread. If you loot, the next thing you can try to steal is something off of your food tray at the county jail because you're going to jail. That's a guarantee. And we're going to enjoy taking you down there. Some people are slow learners. Let's try this again. This is peaceful protest. This is violence. It's not acceptable. I truly believe in our God-given right and our constitutional right to speak openly and freely to address our government. That's important. We listen every day. But I've also watched across this country when law enforcement officers who put their life on the line were told to stand down. And they shouldn't have stand down, right? They should have just kept on doing their jobs, which is protecting the citizens, but they didn't. I'm just saying that was the most amazing clip ever, you know, and for those of you listening on the podcast, he had a picture of a bunch of protesters peacefully protesting sign. And then next to it, the first one was torching the place, right? Second picture. And he's like, Oh, just in case here's another one. And he showed protesting again with signs, all peaceful and everything. Then he showed people running out with Chanel and Nike bread out of stores. And that's called looting and made it clear you're going to be stealing food off of your fellow inmates plate if you do this and he was like because most of you are slow learners i think that was going for nadler right who said none of that was happening he had it demonstrated again showing them flipping up cars and using weapons and actual violence that is polk county sheriff that is some really good chops right there but he did say oh i felt bad for the police officers what like the guy that tased and put handcuffs on the woman who was sitting out on a bench in open free air with no face mask that's not a police officer that guy should be fired because he violated his public service he did no one any public service none now, there's another clip that I want to show you. This one, this one, this one is um, pretty funny for me watching it. Um, a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people were upset. I was just like, wait a minute, what is a cute leadership? I am so confused. People have nominated themselves as leaders. Wait, we have to listen and watch this, Okay. I was, okay, I was out and about, and I was just like, 
come on, seriously, is this really for real? I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And I was like, well, you write all these things. You talk about all these things. You wrote a book. You couldn't answer the question. I'm just going to tell you, like, I don't know where they found these people. You know, I'm sure every single one of you, those that have like two followers could have answered these questions, but cute leadership. Like, what is that? Take a listen. Now there is. Hold on. Here we go. It's CBS, of course. Group called QAnon could have a significant influence in the upcoming election. QAnon first surfaced back in 2017. Now it maintains that President Trump is leading a war against liberal elites who, according to QAnon, are running a global sex trafficking network, including some very famous people. Now, there is zero evidence, zero, that any of this is true. Tonight's episode of 60 and 6 takes an inside look at QAnon. 60 and 6 features 60-minute style storytelling in episodes that last around six minutes or so. It airs on the streaming app Quibi. Is produced by CBS News, which is part of a Viacom CBS, an investor and Quibi. 60 and 60 correspondent and founder of Dot 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 Media, <laughs> Dot 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 Media, that's Zoe Siegel, spoke with leaders of the movement. Dustin Nemos is a part. Okay. Leaders of the movement. What does that mean? Does it mean that they're experts? Do they know who's on the team? Or is it one person? Do they know how to use quantum computers? Do they have you know, like what? I'm sorry. I'm trying to understand because I've seen a lot of people and I'm like, I'm sorry, what makes you an expert again? I did though see that maybe there are Tori Says listener when I said, when you think that something doesn't seem right or you're not getting it, start from the beginning and people are starting from the beginning again. But anyway, it was weird the way they were framing this, but it was also weird because Nemos does some really good job. You know, he puts out some really good stuff. And I'm like, come on, dude. Like, why don't you answer it? Like, it should have been more mm. part of the QAnon community. And it's also how he makes a living. This is Dustin Nemos of the Nemos News Network. Nemos posts on his YouTube channel several times a week, sometimes several times a day. Should we talk a little bit about COVID? And And considers himself a seeker of truth in a fake news world. COVID is the biggest lie fake news has ever told. How can you say that when you look at the numbers? Well, um, I don't trust the numbers, first of all. In New York, they supposedly had hashtag war zone hospitals. I had friends and, and audience members going out there with their cell phones saying it's a ghost town. No one's here. You're talking to someone who is in New York. You're talking to a, a crew of folks. who See, right there, I would have been like, all right, so where were you in New York? Were you in some throne? Were you in front of a green screen? Like, because there were so many people out there videotaping the ghost town that you were considering was a panic. I would have mopped the floor with her. I'm sure every one of you would have. Maybe he was nervous because he does put out really good stuff. I mean, uh, it's always message over messenger. I like his message sometimes. I mean, the message that he puts out on his pages, right? I'm not talking about what is done behind the scenes in little chat groups, right? I'm talking about what's on the pages, (laughs) front-facing. Speaking of front-facing, I tweeted out Quentin James. Thank you, Slele, for that. So he has something called Vestige Strategies. He does all the PR, tweeting, and teleprompter, and speeches for Hillary Clinton. Maybe you should know that. Uh, You know, front-facing. And just so you know, Vestige means a sign of something that once existed, but exists or appears no more. 
just just thought I would say that. But anyway, let's continue to listen to this um, interview. Maybe he was nervous. I don't know. I, I wouldn't think that he would get nervous, though. This is where you mop the floor with people like this. Who, uh, who experienced a lot of this firsthand. Well, why were the hospitals empty when, when these people went there? You, you saw it on YouTube. We saw it in, in real life. Uh, we, well, we saw it from you. We heard, heard your version. No offense. We don't trust you guys. As someone who was in New York City in the height of COVID, yes. who had friends in the hospital, I can tell you it just as simply isn't true. We had whistleblower nurses who went into this. And yeah, I would have been like, all right, so tell me your friends. What hospital were they in? Oh, that one. Well, there's like 20 videos from people from that hospital uh, because it was all a charade. She's sitting there, you know, all upset. What they're upset about is that this awakening this wanting to seek your own information because you don't trust the media, which is a good, you know, message that did go through, right? <laughs> I would have been like, show me the proof. Give me a selfie with your friends because I got videos and pictures that say you're lying. So, you know, obviously, I don't know, you know, first of all, they're trying to push Quibi, right? And that's why they put it there because then everyone that's on the Anon movement, which are millions, right? The present movement, are going to pay subscriptions and give their information and credit card information for the free trial just to look for this. So, you know, the best thing is we get one nice person to post it on the Chan or Kun boards are not suggesting copyright law infringement. <laughs> just saying. So this was a ploy. This was a ploy to get people to put their information on Quibi and watch it. I'm just saying. So, uh, you know, maybe it was heavily edited. Ah, uh, man, this is, this is why I talk fast sometimes because I, I had, um, you know, tiny dancer take out something. I think I was talking about Jessica Lou. I don't remember who I was talking about months ago about getting fired. And he was like, just playing that snippet and says, look, he said, she said that Millie was going to get fired. And it was such a lie. So yeah, they edit a lot. That's like a loser move. But, um, you know, Quibi is like this thing that they started with Hollywood, um, which is like uh, their new launch of, you know, they had a, a show where, um, uh, pedo light, uh, <laughs> Chrissy Teigen was a judge. Uh, that's how it started. So I just wanted to say this is fairly recent. Um, but I was just, I was just shocked that there wasn't a, you know, bitch slap with facts. And exposed what was happening. Hospitals were actually monetized and incentivized to lie about COVID patients. What um, evidence do you, do you have? Whoa, whoa, yeah. Here's where you come in and say the freaking CARES Act. Remember, I broke that story. 180,000 for each COVID patient. Remember, that is how Chris Berg, who was also in a Q drop, by the way, um, had that senator from Minnesota. And, you know, I had, he had just seen what I reported, 180,000 per COVID person. That's how much money they would make. And he brought that up. And the guy was like, you're right, because they're telling us to change it to make it COVID so they could get paid. That could have been simple. It could have been so simple to put forward, but it wasn't answered. It was like, oh, there's video reports or it's on my site. No, nah, man. Cares Act, dude. It was all over the place. 180 grand for each COVID. They made a lot of money. A lot of money. You know, that would have been boom. I'm sure out of what, how many are you across all the channels right now? Like 1,200 of you? One of you, at least. Uh, I'm, I'm underestimating. I'm, I'm saying at least 120 of you 
would have been able to answer that. Besides online speculation. There's there's uh, months now of documented evidence for this. What kind? Uh, various articles. Uh, the Gateway Pundit, Zero Hedge has Where? put out many what of them. What kind of article? Nemos News Network, if you want to go search. That's your network. The, absolutely. I've been covering this since the beginning, so I've covered every bit of it. You know, uh, more than 200,000 Americans have died since the pandemic. I know CBS has been reporting on these stats and has knowledge firsthand. So obviously a pretty tense exchange there. You see, we're almost living two different versions of the truth. See, the one thing when you're being interviewed by by sharks like this that want to make it look like, oh, it's what you believe. No, facts are facts. You know, uh, you have to have you have to be armed and well versed when someone's going to ask you questions about this stuff. You have to because then it's not about editing. There was nothing to edit out. It was like articles and YouTube videos. Nobody cares about that. Talk about the government documentation. Talk about the senator from Minnesota. I mean, Chris Berg was in a cue drop where he mentioned it. He mentioned it. And he was also cued. Like, come on, you're supposed to know your craft. You went there. I'm not saying he probably choked. But but the question is, why would they try to portray it like this when the facts are facts? Hmm? Scale. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious about how you kept your face on straight, Lori. But I am wondering, how did they gain so many followers based on all of these false theories? Yeah, I mean, I think that this movement is growing so quickly and you have this mysterious figure Q who drops these predictions online and people are really, really following this. And, you know, I think it's actually a perfect storm. You have the disenfranchisement of people. You have this pandemic where people are turning online. And then you also have this growing distrust of mainstream media. You have the coining of fake news. You have misinformation spreading online. And it really has created a perfect storm that's led to Q. What do you mean misinformation? They were being paid, according to the CARES Act, money if the person died from COVID. What are you talking about? Your hospitals were empty. They were making TikTok videos, stripper pole dancing with, you know, IV poles. Are you kidding? Come on. But yet they painted as if, look, the president coined fake news. So it's fake. You are fake news. You are paid by those generals that are super pissed right now. Every single, including uh, the one station that everyone thinks is the beacon of light. Uh, there's a few people there that are getting paid. Many of them were placed there by actual assets of our own Pentagon. Come on. Uh, I mean, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> Like I said, we don't need to list names. Maybe it should be a short list with like how many names are not on there. I could tell you it's less than one hand, one hand. So, um, you know, this is, this is it. So what is, what is their problem? That it's a global movement. You see, oh, it's in Germany. Oh, it's over here. Oh, it's over there. It's everywhere because people are waking up. In the age of information, ignorance is a choice. Now, not everybody has, you know, quantum capabilities per se. Not everybody has the ability to peek forward. But whatever you do have in your hands right now is more than enough to arm yourself with knowledge. And knowledge is power, and they don't want you to have it. Yeah, it's, it's very frightening. What are some of the main misconceptions? 
You know, I, I think this is something we can't ignore. I've covered internet movements my whole career for the last decade. And this is unlike anything I've ever covered. These aren't just people who are in the, their mom's basement, right? This is pe- this is a movement people really find appealing. You know, you have nearly a hundred state and congressional candidates that are circulating the messages of Q. 29 have won primaries. Being on the ground, you begin to really understand that people are, you know, looking for some type of leadership, looking for something different. They're almost forming their own political party online. So I really don't think we can ignore this. And I don't think we can ignore how quickly this is spreading. And when they circulate the messages that you speak of, what are the political implications of that? I mean, extraordinary uh, implications when, when you're on the ground. Uh, one of the interesting things, Gail, is when when we were in this rally and it was a pretty intense environment with the media, you know, they're filming you as you're filming them because they just trust uh, the media. But I think the big question is what's going to happen when we head towards the election uh, and will they accept the results? You know, I actually spoke to a lot of folks inside the rally. Listen to what they said. President Trump's going to get reelected. What if he's not reelected? Oh, he's going to be reelected. What if he's not reelected? If President Trump is not reelected, then that's for the American people to decide if the elections were fair. I think there's going to be a lot of very angry Americans that he wasn't reelected. It won't happen. The only way it'll happen is with your vote fraud. This not your their vote fraud. So what happens if he does? Then the military will probably step in. The question is, will this online movement move offline? And I think that's what a lot of us are wondering and a lot of experts who are looking at this are wondering, and will they accept results regardless? And I think that's what I really heard on the ground, because one of the things to note about QAnon is Donald Trump is really that guiding force. They look for cues and signs in anything Trump tweets and anything he says, Gail. And who is Q, Lori? Are you able So I just wanted to say, like they said, these people are forming their own political party. I told you. And it's not one that's Q. It's one of the people. That's their problem. So who is Q? She asks. (laughs) Who is Q? I mean, you found Q leadership. (laughs) If they only knew that in their messages, they actually have people working against them, giving crap to the deep state and they don't even know because they're such patriotic tweets that they put out and posts and YouTube videos. People actually think that they're on their team. So, you know, the question is, I mean, you would be so disappointed, so disappointed. I'm just saying so disappointed. You would be so disappointed to know. I mean, they, you have to ask yourself, how did they know um, to go to the people that they interviewed? How did they know to go and find this Q leadership? That's because people within them, you know, and they need a whipping post. Mm. Because they see patriots, they see people that fork up money, donate to them. So they feel obligated um, to have these conversations. And when your intentions aren't pure, sometimes um, and they're driven by other factors who fall into that trap and you're only human. So you make mistakes, but, um, I'm going to be dropping that list after the elections at some point, I'm going to put the lists and chat messages from very, 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 very vocal reporters and, oh wait, investigative journalists that know best. They know it's coming. Because I'm pretty sure the other side also has the ability to see. That's being dropped for sure. But at the time this right, at the time where we're going to be formulating a movement of America first, 
and how people are starting to realize these people that are doing all this research and great tweets may be patriotic per se, but they're only patriotic because it pays the bills. So, um, it's, um, it's quite interesting. I'm just going to say, so let's listen to her answer. Able to figure out who is it, male, female group? Who is this person or group? Right. I had I had this question. I was like, you know, everyone is talking about Q and going on and on about, you know, these predictions that haven't come true. And what's interesting is no one knows who Q is. Uh, Q is. Uh, and when you go into these groups, a lot of these folks, they don't want to know who Q is uh, and, and they're not interested in that. And so Q is this mysterious figure who's posting and it could be one person it could be many people who's posting these predictions and, and so it's almost you know I, I put it like this it's almost the gamification of conspiracy theories where it's like these people believe in doing their own research and looking up their own stuff and down the rabbit hole of the internet they can find truth in anything and right how dare they want to do their own research and fall into rabbit holes and see that they could find on the internet the truth they should just listen to us we know best Ooh. So interesting. They don't know who Q is, nor do they care. And they should not. But always with, uh, let's just say, they're in full panic mode because they understand it. They're upset that there's people that are running for seats that say, you know, no, this is a good thing. And I'm going to tell you, it's been, um, when timelines change, they're starting to become more apparent so people know because, you know, Mm, non-attribution all right Lori. thank you very much you so non-attribution i'm just gonna leave it at that so how dare you people want to research your own stuff how dare you not care you just like the message of doing your own homework how dare you (laughs) that's what's funny that's what's funny that they're so blatant about it too they really don't care it's not about who it's about the message. And you know, sometimes the message kind of looks the same, sounds the same, but isn't the same. So you go back to the beginning, you know, it's kind of like fingerprints. Um, but yeah, I was just like, when I saw it, I was like, Q leadership. I mean, even my daughter who's 14 was like, mom, they said Q leadership. Did you see this? I was, she tweeted out this morning. I was like, I totally saw it. Uh, you know, It's just the media is terrified. They have no power. Knowledge is power. That was the whole point. Giving the people the ability to harness that power of knowledge. Mm. It's like, wanna, but I won't. And it's, you know, when someone's doing, see, I've always said that everybody has a price. I've also told you that uh, we don't have the monopoly on let's call it predictive analytics, but there's always a bias. So depending on your price is the bias of what you see. So the bottom line is, you know, you already, I mean, the president kind of told you as well in a way, if you were listening, maybe you need to revisit that when he was asked that question. Uh, So, it's important that, um, you know, a lot of these 
deep dive investigative journalists that bring you stuff. They're bringing you stuff that's been around for a, for a long time, recycling it as if, whoa, look, I've been doing this and I've done this. I've actually had a reporter once come at me saying, um, that's my story. And it was, and it was like, dude, this story was published months ago. Maybe you took it because this is a very long, long time ago. What are you talking about? So it's all about, you know, the money. Look at um, advertising. Like for me, okay, I've, I lost jobs and everything. I don't, I, and I get a lot of emails from people. Hey, would you promote my product? Would you do this? And the thing is, if I have that product, I have to endorse it and then I'm selling it and I don't want to sell anything. I don't. I know that I'm 100% funded by the people, everything I do, my videos, my website that I'm paying extraordinary amounts so it never gets taken again. Uh, you know, all of that is coming out of my pocket, but then people contribute to me. There's people that are contributing like $5 a month to my subscribe star, a dollar on the Patreon, like whatever helps. I don't need advertising because I'm not looking to make money off of this. If you're doing something good, good will make sure that you can keep doing the good. Make sense? Does that sound right to you guys? Does it make sense? Um, so that's where you can see too. I mean, I'm not saying writing a book is bad, right? If you have something to say, that's not bad because that's how you make history by writing things, right? This is why we have so many books from good and the bad, because that's how you write history. But what I'm saying is, is that you have to, you know, pay attention to who's reaping, like, you know, selling stuff. I mean, obviously, if you're going to sell a t-shirt to, to, to do like a movie or sell the movie or whatever, it's to counter the costs or whatever, right? I'm just saying. But if you take a state, take a step back, go on the moon, right? And take a look down, just see what it is because it's like somebody writes a really nice book, right? Not bad. I'm, that's writing history. I like this. But when you're like selling things so that you can make money, even though people are already contributing to you, that's double dipping. That's not good in God's eyes. See your price, your price that you set yourself, you always have a price to where you're going to sell something for yourself, right? Your price dictates um, uh, just how objective your perspective is. And uh, yeah, you're going to be like, well, you know, people have sponsors and whatnot and, you know, they sell things like silver coins. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I'm, I'm totally game with that, but I'm not because I could do that too, but, but I'm not because, you know, I'm not going to tell you how to invest your money because I'm not an investor. Um, you know, obviously, um, Ooh, man, some of you are so good at understanding what I want to say. And it's like at the tip selling your soul. That's a good one. So working really hard, you get, you get paid as hard as you work. So back in the days, if you worked really hard, you would get a cow, a lamb, a potato or a bread. It would be equal to the work you put out. So I, I realized that, um, in, in prayer when I was with $2 and 40 cents in my pocket and I was like, all right, um, my life is crumbled. I, what am I doing? And every time I would try to find a way to do something 
it would not happen the way it should be. And so the minute I said, all right, you know what? I haven't done anything wrong. I was a sinner. I believe that you're going to take control. Man, did he take control of the wheel and, um, contributing. I contribute. I don't have much money, but you'll always see at the RSBN, right? Right side broadcast network. I'm always going to put out my five bucks, right? Uh, whenever I have it. And, um, because they're doing good work and it should be rewarded. I contribute to a lot of other people. I, uh, subscribe to them for like, you know, what is it? $2 a month here and there because we should all be joined together. We should all be contributing to the movement. Like someone sends me a $5 tip on an article. I might turn around and give that, I don't know, to the matrix or, um, you know, to Pete Santilli or quite frankly, or whatever, uh, because I want to keep them going. So, you know, we should all be doing it together and only then are we the true embodiment of this movement. Again, I said, it is going to be very, very important. And you're going to see this coming into focus this weekend, right? It's going to be very important to understand where your compass is, what your true north is, how you can see it's not the person, it's not the man, it's not the group, it's the message. What are your true values, right? Are you willing to step outside of your comfort zone? Because when you step outside of your comfort zone, that's where you grow. Kind of like that video we saw in the first hour with the lady being tased and arrested for not wearing a mask. Why didn't anybody get out of their comfort zone and say, boom, so that's really important. And um, yes, and if we pass it forward, we all, we're like that. I can't even find that image, you know, where they had like the the men. There was like two little stick men on one side of a cliff. Then in the middle, there's one guy hanging over the cliff and then two guys on the other side of the cliff, right? And they're all working together to get everyone over the cliff with that one stick. That's what we're supposed to be doing. You know, this is a message of love that 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 was introduced 2000 years ago and i think we're starting to get it that capitalism per se or having a republic is everybody being heard everybody working together and obviously you will be rewarded remunerated per se um with the amount of work you do if you're you know working 2 hours a day you can't expect to have the pay of the person that works 12 hours a day even though that's in reality that's what's happening right now it shouldn't you should be working as much as you um you know are supposed to have but with your effort just you know what do you bring to the table it's your it's your true north so remember your true north and where you focus that what your morals are quality of work quantity of work plus mental attitude equals your compensation totally love that equation man you're speaking dirty to me with math so i love it i have an equation somewhere on my uh instagram about women are the root of all evil it actually it's so funny or money is a root or is it women i don't remember but it was actually a funny thing so going forward especially i said this is this is more going to be prevalent in october but you're going to start to see what I've been talking about this weekend. You're really going to have to shift your focus on finding that core. 
Because I understand that a lot of these people have, you know, that do dedicate their time, right? But they're doing it for the wrong reason. There's a difference between a patriot and a patriot. Write a book. Why not? Make history for me. Go ahead. I want my children to read your book later. That's fine. Sell a t-shirt so you can pay for your microphone, your video. I get it. But that's still too much. People will come to you. They flock to you. They want you to continue. It sounds so mean what I'm saying. I don't mean it like that because we're, for some reason, people believe that blessings are measured in, in dollars. And I know we live in a world where money gives us the ability to eat, uh, have shelter and have water and, you know, but we have to understand that that there's so much abundance out there. The restrictions that you feel are all reality that has been manifested by others. For example, if I really believe I can totally fly, I won't be able to because all of you around me that are connected to me think that that's impossible. So that restricts my reality. We're all connected. You know, this is, this is how quantum entanglement happens too. When we're talking on a more coded level, other programs or other facets of a program restrict the ability of one program. Okay. So if you believe in restrictions, if I'm in a room with 10 people and I'm like, yo, watch me float. And it's like, I'm not floating. It's not because I don't believe I can float. It's because everybody in the room with me constructs the reality around me too. This is where I say that it's important that we all, um, you know, resonate on the same frequency, a higher frequency, a a frequency of knowledge of truth seeking, like, you know, Nemo said, a truth seeker, seeking truth, seeking love, seeking prosperity through love and acceptance and understanding that we are where we go one, we go all like really embody that because if people really thought where we go one, we go all, then there wouldn't have been, you know, within that Q movement, there wouldn't have been the whole Austin Steinbart is such a hack. If you're following him, I'm blocking you. If you talk to him, you're a hack. This is a LARP. You have to listen to me because I know best. That's not where we go one, we go all. That is not. You could choose to not unconditional love. There we go. And we should have that. You know, you should understand that the way we interact as a people and as a society impacts those around us always. There's a ripple effect. So how you think, how you feel, how you interact is how I'm impacted. So where we go one, we go all means that all of us must unite to the core. That is a whole point. Uniting to the core. That is a whole point. Uniting the people. Yes, the world is now awake. Yes, the world wants to harness the power of knowledge and command over their own fate. A united America is an unstoppable America. And when we're uni- when we are united, we are powerful, unstoppable, incredibly strong. And that is the epitome of humanity. 
So all you have to see is who is throwing in the wrenches of division. Like I said, there's no time for that, but there is time for an awakening. And I already have a working list. And I will do that unless there's redemption. People need to redeem themselves and they should be. And they know that. I've seen a couple of them and how they operate. So redemption is the best. I like people that redeem themselves. I love what my president has done for his soul and his nation because he realized at that time that unity is the way to go forward. And this is the only way. I mean, look at the unity he's bringing to the Middle East. Have you seen such unity before? Have you seen hatchets that are eons old being put to rest? Have you seen that before? Unity. That is the core of humanity. People are good innately. And here we are burying hatchets. And if you, if you are on the moon and you look down, what you could see is people in the fields sowing the seeds for growth. And you see the screeching demons. Let's get it, Ron. You know, that, that geographic block, boom. Let's get Turkey, boom. And then, you know, North Korea. You know, that's a wild card right there. I'm not going to talk about that one right now. Well, let's, let's focus on Iran. Iran's like, yeah, I'm ready to talk. Let's swap all our prisoners. What do you mean swap your prisoners? The prisoners we don't know about, more journalists, Australian journalists denied access to China. Why? I mean, they're just a journalist. Oh, wait, no, it wasn't a journalist. It's a scholar. Right? You have to see that almost every single hero. Remember, we did that whole hero episode. They always get uncomfortable and it's about redemption. You come out on the other end stronger and more united. So this is what our president has been doing. He has been uniting this nation like no other. Now, oh, I wanted to tell you um, before I forget, before I forget, um, there's going to be a live like a fundraiser for um, someone running in Nevada that, um, Rick Grinnell is going to be on. Now I'm, I'm joining that zoom call. I'm going to see if I can actually stream it for you guys. It's on the 25th of September. I think it's at like 8 PM Eastern time. I'll, I'll tweet it out. It's tomorrow. I'm going to, I'm going to live stream it, um, through zoom. Uh, cause that'll be interesting to see. Uh, the, I retweeted it this morning. It's for Jim Machamp. Um, and there's a zoom fundraiser on September 25th. I retweeted it. Um, it's going to be a zoom call. Uh, it's only, he's only gotten 24 retweets. Rick Grinnell is going to be there. Um, I signed up for it cause I just want to see what else they're going to talk about. I wanted to, you know, push that, uh, forward. Uh, if you remember, I told you that the joint chiefs of staff was corrupt. They want to just wrap this up. Paul Salva, joint chiefs of staff coming out against Trump told you joint chiefs of staff are the ones that were trying to take down the administration and they're not our rank and file. They're not the real military. They lost that. It's kind of how the, the, the people lose their way, right? 
like people that were patriots, but then they became patriots, right? Um, because they, they were like, oh, you know, I can do this and make this, right? When you look at it from humble eyes, then you can see. And through humble eyes, now you can see. It's these generals that are making tons of money. They're the ones that were within the administration trying to overthrow. It's not the rank and file. They're not the real Americans that are supposed to be supporting our president. Remember that. It is very important to remember that, uh, that we are, we are one. And that is what the president has succeeded. And this is why in 20, once he swears in in 2021, those four years are the last four years of the America we once knew. Things are changing for good. And that's why we're going to get another four too. So on that note, tonight, yeah. What time did I say? Well, quite frankly, it's at seven. So we'll do nine because Pete Santilli is also on in the evening and I don't want to, you know, pull away. So nine o'clock Eastern time, we're going to do Amazon prime, uh, you know, on Twitch and we're going to start uh, a new series. It's not super new for that, but it's a series for us, uh, that, um, we can see with eyes of knowledge and see what we can pull out from there. Uh, so it'll be quite interesting. I think it'll be a lot of fun. And then we'll do labyrinth on the weekend um, with the puppets, right? And uh, <laughs> that'll be fun. So revisiting some things uh, in historical context, I guess, um, revisiting things that were once viewed in the past with certain eyes, then you know, um, in the future you see different, it's different eyes because now you can see. So Twitch, make sure you figure out how to connect it with Amazon prime. There's a lot of help things. I mean, you could Google a YouTube video, right? Uh, I'll see you guys tonight, uh, for the first show. I'm not telling you what it is yet. I want it to be a surprise. So there is a prime free trial available as well that you could do. They have a 30 day free trial. If you're a student, it's, if you have like a .edu email, um, you can get six months free. Um, and it's going to be totally, yeah. And, and if anyone joins at any level of Twitch, they'll be able to attend. You just have to connect it with your prime thing. And it's going to be awesome. We're going to have so much fun. I can't wait to talk about it too. Guess what? I haven't seen the show, but I've read the book that nobody knows about that it was based on. So it's going to be interesting. Um, God bless everyone. I will see you guys tomorrow. Same time, same place. If I don't see you tonight, um, for our, um, yeah, weekly TV show. So God bless everyone. See you then. Set the world on fire